It's the final episode of our translation and localization mini-series. In the first episode, we looked at the differences between translation and localization. In the second, we looked at the different ways translation and localization is performed. And finally, in this episode, we look at the effects of it. What does this all actually mean for the games that we play? And one game in particular. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gelada. And I'm Saffron. And today we are continuing, this is part three of, hopefully three of three, um, of our... What do you mean dis- by that? <laughs> of our... Dis- well, I just mean, you know, we thought it would be a two-parter, now it's a three-parter. Before you know it, there's Maybe it's an entire podcast. Maybe I've got some things I want to talk about, uh, <laughs> you know? Octal FM is now a different podcast. Yes. Um, we are talking about uh, translation and localization. We have had two episodes so far. There was an intro episode uh, back in uh, one episode 116. Mm-hmm. And then the previous episode to this one, I think, if we if our recording plan goes as planned, um, 128 was uh, like a discussion about methods of translation and localization, mm-hmm. which was really great discussion, really enjoyed that. And we talked a lot about like the technical side of things as well, which was really interesting. Um, yes, yeah. And yeah, all kinds of stuff. Um, and now we're going to talk really about sort of like what does all of this mean for like actual games like like what are examples sort of more specific examples of well in this case one game that we're really Mm -hmm. sort of gonna gonna focus on that kind of sparked why you wanted to talk about all of this right and that is xenoblade chronicles 2 which is one of my favorite games on the switch Mm -hmm. um and tony's played it as well and she really enjoyed it uh i got the dlc and i played the dlc and i really enjoyed the dlc Mm. i also have played xenoblade chronicles the first one and also x on the wii u that makes me sound like a massive fanboy i'm not i'm just like i'm just like a mild fanboy i've just enjoyed them it's to talk to you yeah and you you really enjoyed it i enjoyed i just i liked the combat i like the style and i'm not very good at getting through really long games so when i got through all of xenoblade chronicles on the wii you know sunk however many tens of hours into that i was like huh this must be like a, a you know there's something about this this is unusual and that's what sort of maybe always kind of make sure i get the later ones because mm-hmm. i'm just not that great at finishing long games i've been playing the witcher 3 for like four years and i've only about six hours in or something yeah um, something about it must have just grabbed you that you really enjoyed and as a result exactly. from there on you just sort of enjoyed the rest of the series exactly um so yeah so i really enjoyed it however I then recommended it to you and you've also had others recommend it to you. Separately too. Separately, separately. And you did not get on so well with it. No, no and I didn't. part of the reason is that you are a massive translation and localization nerd. Uh, and <laughs> that's, that's it, a polite way of putting it. Thanks. And there were things about it that because you sort of a little bit like appreciating, I don't know, good wine or or interesting arts, right? It's sort of like it's almost like you you then can't it's harder to like suffer something that's, yeah that's worse because when you, you appreciate something in a certain way you can't yeah. overlook right you can't help but notice some of the failings it's like i don't like to you know i, I don't buy coffee from costa or starbucks because mm-hmm. i like to have nice coffee and i'm forevermore 
you know, worse coffee is ruined by having decent coffee. Yeah, like if you'd have never had the higher end stuff and started to appreciate the the nuance, the interesting aspects of that, the kind of the normal stuff, quote unquote, would have been far more enjoyable over a longer period of time for you. Exactly, exactly. And I think um, that's the case yeah. in this instance too, mm. because what I don't want to say is it's a bad game outright. It isn't. It is a great mm. game. And I also understand entirely why lots of people really like the game. And there are some elements of the gameplay aspect of the game I don't like. So, yes. for example, I don't like the way the tutorial is done, but that's the same regardless of translation and localization. Yep. Uh, I also really dislike the fact that it's got a whole gacha system built into a single-player game. Yep. That's a load of rubbish. That you can spend money on for DLC to, like, power through as well, yep. which is just horribly predatory. And there's a few other niggles that I don't like about the game. But overall i appreciate that the game is really strong it's a really great entry into the series it's a really good flagship rpg game for the switch because i think it came yeah. out very early on in the switch's lifespan yes um so i appreciate all the things about the game but it did make me really want to talk about localization and translation on the episode with this particular game in mind and try and break down some of the things about it that work really well and some of the things that maybe don't work so well yep and it's interesting as well that we should pick Xenoblade Chronicles 2 because the series itself has a bit of background, right, related to translation and localization because Xenoblade Chronicles itself on the Wii, that was never going to go, going to be out in the, um, in the US, right? But I English think it was outside of Japan full stop. At oh, first. just outside of Japan full stop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And Initially, there was a group of games that people wanted to have brought to the Wii mm. because the the Wii in the West wasn't seen as much of a gaming machine as it would have been in Japan. So yep. some of the more niche games that were more aimed towards a traditional kind of people who enjoy play, playing like RPGs and stuff weren't going to be able to play these games. One of them being the original Xenoblade Chronicles. Yeah. There was also The Last Story and is it Pandora's Tower or something? Sounds like that? something along those lines. Yeah. yeah. Now, in fairness, I don't know too much about those. I only know about Xenoblade. But with a huge outreach of fans and uh, pro not protests, but sort of like, um, like signatures and stuff like that, like trying to show support for it, something called Project Rainfall began. Hmm. And the idea basically was to say, petition Nintendo to release these games in the West. Yeah. Yeah. And it's questionable, right, whether, you know, I, I sort of, I did a bit of reading up. I remember this happening at the time and there being a lot of press about it, um, which sort of really brought these games to the to the forefront. And it's questionable whether they had an impact on Nintendo's actual decision to localize these games or not. Um, it probably sort of fed into it a little bit, um, but probably more so was that, it, prob it almost certainly helped with the success of those games once they were localized because it meant that the media had been covering them so much yeah. that, you know, when they did get released, it was kind of like a big deal because now you've got this narrative of, you know, gamers petitioning for these games and now mm -hmm. they've come out. So everyone's going to pay more attention to them because it's like, well, there's... there's there's like a lot of hype around them. I mean, like if anything, Nintendo were probably rubbing their hands at the free marketing for these yeah, three games, for sure. right? Um, and the yeah. reason that was given for them not bringing these games out was, to tie back into the episode's topic, was the cost of localization. Hmm. Because they are very long, heavy games with lots of text that require lots of translation and localization yep. to be able to make available. And they weren't sure whether or not they would turn a profit on them, which in fairness is definitely... Uh, always a gamble of course with some of these types of games there's been some other games in the past that have had like 
100 hour plus campaigns, you know, with just endless amounts of text to translate and it, they just barely sell, you know. Um, some of the kind of more classic JRPGs and say, for example, the PlayStation Portable, the PSP mm. and the PS Vita fell foul of that, unfortunately. they mm. fantastic games, but no one bought them. So as a result, it was a bit of a waste of money on like Sony's part or however funded it. Yeah. And that was worried to be the case for, for Xenoblade Chronicles. So what happened was rather than it being done in a more traditional sense by Nintendo of America for a Western release, it was actually picked up by Nintendo of Europe, mm. which is why Xenoblade Chronicles has such a unique take on localization but also voice work <laughs> i didn't realize that was why i always yeah. just thought that it was like you know they just decided that they were like oh yeah we should definitely have like british people and mm. like some inch you know wide collection of accents for this game yeah which is why like all the characters in xenoblade chronicles sound so different to other like anime-esque inspired yeah. voice work for games or anime, right? Because it was done by, I'm assuming, a British studio as opposed to an American one, which is mm. what you would normally traditionally have. Yeah. Now, the reason we're bringing this up now is because I feel this is definitely part of the influence that happened on Deadly Chronicles 2 with some of the choices of voice acting and localization. Because it was received very well. Like, mm. the change in style, having that very kind of, like, unique, quite quirky voice work. Mm, very and, quirky. Yeah. It was very positive. People liked it. And I can see why, in fairness, because as long as you stay true to the original game's kind of themes, I think putting your own local spin on it in terms of its presentation is mm. fine. Mm. However... With Xenoblade Chronicles 2, it feels like they wanted to try and have their cake and eat it at the same time, mm, right? Mm. So a lot of the characters in the game have very distinct voices, if we're talking about voice acting to begin with. The one that comes to mind straight away is Nia, like the cat girl, yeah. who I think is supposed to be Welsh, yes, but kind of isn't, and it doesn't sound right at all, and it's very jarring. And it really doesn't suit the character in game either. Like mm. she comes across as this like really moaning sort of like Welsh housewife style like person rather than sort of like this sort of like Sundare cat girl type person. Yeah. So it feels like they were trying to, and I, and I want to say it was probably done by Nintendo of America. I don't know if that's the case actually or not. The Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I think she actually, the voice actor actually was Welsh. <sighs> it doesn't sound like it. Um, <laughs> but my point is is they they were obviously influenced by the unique and quirky elements of the translation localization and voice work of the original game because of things like project rainfall yeah and then they tried to emulate that but doing it on the more traditional sense of of the process yeah so that then leads us perfectly into some of the things that i think the game does very well but also things that it doesn't do so well so the first thing i wanted to discuss since we're talking about it, is the voice work right because i feel the voice work is done very competently i don't think any of the quality of the voice work is necessarily bad in terms of the actors but their direction is just not there right mm. half the scenes that are in and this is all to do with being in english so other languages I, I can't speak for. Maybe the German, for example, is really good. I don't know. And I think a big problem with this is to do with the, the lack of direction, it feels like, within the voice work, right? Because mm. sometimes you'll be having like a fairly serious moment and they'll be talking sort of like a really normal volume. Like they'll just sort of like not really be emoting that much or not be, it doesn't sound like they're in like a really tense sort of like dangerous moment. They'll just mm. sort of like talking as if they sat around the pub. And at the same time, on the flip side of that, there'll be kind of like quite quiet, nice, serene moments. There'll be this like unnecessarily like happy and jolly tone. Mm. 
so it just feels like the because the game is so long it doesn't feel like they had the opportunity to have a full voice work session for all the recordings mm. and it feels like maybe the voice actors were given one opportunity to record it they recorded it and that was the end of it no retake mm. sort of thing no voice direction so it's not that the voice working necessarily is bad it just doesn't necessarily always suit that's also not helped by the fact that the game has tried to localize some elements of the japanese-ness of it if i should say it that way whilst also trying to do its own thing as well. Mm. Now, a game I want to talk about, which I think does a really good job of this, is Persona 5, right? We've talked about Persona 5 plenty before in the past on the show. And they maintain the same consistency of, like, Japanese culture throughout the voice work. Like, they try and emulate, to some extent, the way which they people in Japan talk, but in English, mm-hmm. but they keep the character consistent throughout, right? They don't try and sort of like change it and emulate it on the fly. In Xenoblade Chronicles 2, that's not the case. Sometimes they're trying really hard to emulate the sort of style of talking Japanese, which doesn't work in English at all. I think it always sounds bad when anime and games do this. Mm. But then other times they they don't, and they sort of like, they try and stay within the confines of the character that they've tried to create through the localized voice. So the one thing that kind of like makes me think of that is, it's fairly early on, if I'm really, and you're going to have to correct me on this, being someone that's played the game far more than I have. You meet, like, a character who is a bit, like, he's a bit odd, like, he's a bit weird. He does, like, a like a dance to, to introduce himself, and he has, like, this female character. Uh, and they have, like, an animal or something with them. I can't remember. Um, he's very goofy, very goofy character. And it flips from being this sort of, like, traditionally, like, macho American style to, like, then jumping into this, like, over-the-top Japanese style in the same scene. It, it's very inconsistent. Oh, yeah, that's um, Zeke and Pandoria, the, the, who, like, he's got, like, a patch, and he's, yeah, he's, like, kind of, like, like you said, like, he's quite flamboyant mm. um, as, as a character. There just doesn't seem to be any consistency, is my point, right? That That's sort of the issue that I have there, is the the consistency with the way in which they're trying to present these characters just isn't quite right. And that's throughout the whole game as well. That's just one example. There are some elements of the game that I think they do very well, however. Like, for example, I think, although I don't like and agree with what they've done regarding the localization of all of the, like, proper proper nouns within the game, things like the, the locations and the names of characters and things like that, at least they've been consistent about that. So, for example, like, they renamed God, like, literal God, it's like the architect. Mm. And they renamed, like, is it, the, is it the Idrisil tree? And they renamed that to, is it Elysium? Is that what they rename it yes. to? Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, and they also rename all of the, like, the, the, the titans that you visit, like, all the main, like, land masses, effectively, um, from whatever they are in Japanese to English. Now, mm. I don't see the need for that personally, but... If you do a little bit of reading around it, all of those naming conventions do follow a theme and they're trying to follow, I think they're trying to follow like a Greek theme. Right. As opposed to sort of like a, or as I believe originally in Japanese, it's actually following more of like a Christian theme. Right. Um, if I'm right. So I, I don't mind that as much, like, because at least they've been consistent, right? They've, they've gone, this is the creative decision we want to do with this game. We're going to follow through with it on all elements of mm. things. And so that's, a very, have, that's a very classic Nintendo thing, right? Like taking away religious mm-hmm. um, imagery and stuff like that is, is very common throughout. And as long as that doesn't detract from the game experience and the story as a whole, which I don't feel it does, really, mm. I haven't got a problem with that as long as it doesn't uh, interfere with the rest of the experience. Mm. 
the only this then sort of jumps into some of the the, the problems that I had that prompted this whole discussion to begin with, which is a problem that I think is fairly niche that I experience with this, which is the difference between a localized game script and voice work compared to the original translation of the Japanese game, right? Mm. So you play the game in English, right? Yeah. Like full English with English voice actors, right? Yes. And and you recommend any of the game. And a friend of mine who speaks fluent Japanese played it in Japanese without subtitles and and he really enjoyed it too. Whereas I played it in Japanese, but with the English subtitles, like mm. I was sort of watching an anime effectively. And the problem is, and lots of games fall foul of this, the problem with that is that they don't, differentiate between the closed captions for the english dub and subtitles for the japanese right voice so, work. so you get the english dub caption um text but you're listening to a completely completely differently basically in Japanese. exactly now the most like obvious way to describe this problem for anyone who's played the game or sort of knows almost anything about it the main female character in the game is called pyra right yeah she's sort of like the the the, the main redhead girl who get, comes in really early and she's like the she's like the blade is that is that right yeah. of um of rex the main male character yeah well in japanese she's not called myth uh pyra she's called homura that's her name in the same way that like the spoilers the alter ego is is called mithra yeah in japanese is called hikari right now again i don't really see the point in renaming people especially when rex's name doesn't change for example um but if you're gonna do it that's not great but whatever but then when they've done the the voice work in english and obviously they changed the voice the subtitles if you want to play in japanese are still using all of the english nouns for things mm. so even if someone say shouts out like pyra's name japanese of homura it's still on the subtitle it's gonna say pyra yeah and that happens all over the place that's just one example of it like it happens when you're talking like going to to a new town because the town names are all different they use different terms to describe different elements of things like they don't call like the titans titans they call them something else and people's names change and, and like weapon attacks are change and everything is different and it's very jarring mm. and that's only with the proper nouns that doesn't even take into consideration changes and choices that they've made with the translation into english when they've yeah. changed effectively changed the script entirely yeah so the challenge that it's interesting isn't it because it almost like you say like what they really needed is they needed to translate it twice in the same way that you would for not all, like you say not all anime does it but you know where you've got a situation where you know, if you have got English and Japanese, you also need two separate subtitle tracks, mm -hmm. one for Japanese and one for English, right? Like if you watch a Studio Ghibli film, like they're the same, right? Like that, like the, you'll have, as in like they they do it correctly, right? Like if you watch it in English, you've got English closed captions, yes, which are yeah. exactly what the English is. And you can, you can see it by, by mixing it, right? Like it's kind of interesting sometimes to mix it where you like choose Japanese, but then get the English closed captions all the other way around. Or vice versa. Vice yeah. versa, and yeah. See, and typically what they're, the, the gist of it is the same, right? Within most of the cases, yeah, you get the of, idea. A lot of it with anime, it's interesting as well, because with anime, of course, you've got, you you have to change the script because you need to match the, the like mouth flap and stuff yes, like that right like yeah. and the timing and all of those kinds of things like mean that the script has to be very different you don't really have that problem so much with with video games but i get that doesn't necessarily mean that it's 
easier or harder to to sort of now, have two translations. Going back to the previous episode where maybe it would have been difficult on an older game there things were sort of like mm. more hard-coded like time spent of a cam- of a camera focusing on one character would have been like you know locked in and you were translating maybe a year or so after the development had completely finished. Maybe you understand then trying to sort of like hackney together the English to fit in that time span, you can understand. But with modern games, there's no reason you couldn't sort of like alter timings, right? Yeah. And and that's the kind of thing that would be considered from the beginning of the creation of the video game to begin with. And no know? doubt it is altered timings. When you're watching it in English, I'm sure that the timings of the cutscenes and stuff changes. It would, I'm sure it would. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe it's entitled of me to want to basically have two subtitle tracks, right? Mm. One closed captions, one Japanese. Because there is more work, I I guess you could say, because you've got to have the translation work done and then also match to the on-screen scenes whilst also then having the closed captioning. Now, they have to have closed captioning from like an accessibility point of view Mm. for people who maybe can't hear. Um, But I don't know, it doesn't seem that much work. If you're going to go through the trouble of having both languages being accessible within your game, I it, it does seem like it would be worthwhile to kind of make address that niche, but maybe it's such a small niche for people who because the problem I think it is, is because I have a slight you know, a minimal understanding of Japanese, more so than you, but nowhere near as close, say for example, my friend who's fluent in it. I know when certain things aren't being said, for example. Mm. So even if you disregard, say, the, the proper nouns, which are very obvious between languages, there'll be times in a scene where they'll say something in Japanese and the, the English, like, subtitle will say something else. I'm like, they didn't say that. That's not what was said. And oftentimes the gist is the same, like we mentioned, but it's still very jarring. Yeah, I guess if you if you had a list of priorities of translations and, you know, whatever it is that you need to do doing the japanese translation again but more faithfully is probably going to be low down on your list versus everything else then my question there would be is it not something that you could achieve during the initial translation of the game to begin with right like do them at the same time right yeah do them in parallel localizing the game and recording the english voice work Mm. must come a bit uh, must come after the initial game is translated via a translator rather than a localization team right it'd be interesting to know if they're if there are games, and I mean there must be, but it'd be interesting to know what games provide you with English and Japanese, and the captions mm, are for different. Both to choose between, yeah. Like whether it actually, like if there are any games that are like that, would be quite interesting. I don't know of any off the top of my head, but then even providing the Japanese voice work is quite is relatively new, I guess nowadays in like yeah. games that you that you get in the you know in the West, and you can still choose the Japanese. What often happens in these games, I mean, this was exactly the same with Persona 5 as well, is there'll be it'll be DLC because right. they'll often ship the game without them and then you can go on to like the online stores or whatever and then sort of like free download the, the Japanese voice work. Now, with something like Persona 5, it's less of a problem because the, the overall similarities between English and Japanese in terms of the, the actual script is very, much closer. It's not I'd, always perfect. There are a few times you go, they didn't say that in Japanese when the English subtitles say otherwise, but it's a lot closer to Hmm. reality. But then at the same time, there's a lot, it's grounded a lot more in reality, say Persona 5. Like a lot of the game is just set in kind of contemporary Tokyo, right? Right. Whereas in something like Xenoblade Chronicles 2, when you've got so much variations on things with all the different like proper nouns and in fantasy setting, etc., those 
differences flare up more and more frequently. Right. So I guess maybe it's me just being like privileged and I just want something which isn't necessarily worthwhile to the developers to to, to make for me. Mm-hmm. But it is very jarring. And that was certainly one of the first things that really kind of like made me go, uh, this is going to be a struggle to get through playing this game of 100 mm. hours. Was there anything else about the localization? Like thinking, I'm sort of thinking now about because it is a JRPG and there are sort of like Japanese cultural elements to it. What else was there that sort of was, we've already talked a little bit about like the religious aspects. Were there other things that were done right or done wrong in Mm. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 from that sort of point of view? What's kind of interesting is that in the uh, core game itself, like the sexualization of the characters Mm. hasn't been altered in the slightest, which is quite surprising actually, Mm. but also surprising considering the fact that the characters have then since been I don't want to say censored, it's such a harsh word, but they have been altered to be more palatable to a Western audience, I suppose. The main example of that being Pyro and Mithra in Smash Bros. Right, yes. yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. they reduced uh, a lot of the amount of skin that was showing for them. I even think they may have, like, reduced their, like, their breast size as well, like mm. a little bit. And that's not new either. They've definitely done that in the past with other characters in Smash Bros too, because I'm guessing it's, like, it's such, like, a huge flagpole game yeah for nintendo that they they want to make sure that it's like within a certain rating i guess yeah i was and gonna say i would imagine that there must be a rating aspect to that yeah. to that um to that discussion as well as sort of just generally nintendo's sort of the attitude towards that kind of thing especially for something as you say like like smash brothers which although xenoblade chronicles 2 is very popular it's not going to be not in smash the same league as smash yeah <laughs> And what I find quite interesting is that they didn't do any level of localization on sexuality within the game that I'm aware of. I mm. haven't played through the whole game, so I can't say for sure. But it it does feel like they left ed- everything as it would have been in the Japanese, which in effect has actually almost had a, a, the opposite effect that some people got like a little bit offended by certain things. Mm. So the way in which certain female characters are portrayed sexually... Uh, I'm thinking particularly the way in which some characters talk about is it is it Morag is a name yes the, the the female like captain person yeah they they talk about her in like kind of an almost derogatory manly way like oh she's not feminine enough sort of thing right right you can imagine that being cut in a lot of games in a similar mm. situation with with a similarly heavy handed localization affair and all other elements of the game mm. but it it wasn't it was left in and that was kind of that frustrated uh, the sort of opposite side of the same discussion of people yeah. talking about this game it's kind of interesting isn't it like it does paint a picture of sort of a real mix of decisions made you know like like on one hand doing something quite heavy-handed and on the other not it's sort of interesting like like again coming back to the point that like you know all the voice work is very in english is very different like it's like lots of stuff has changed and you know it's just it's not sort of necessary like it's not again like persona right which is a which is a completely different sort of style where it's kind of like it's quite faithfully japanese Mm. in 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 all aspects but xenoblade chronicles 2 is definitely not trying to be faithfully japanese i mean it helps that it's not set in japan Mm -hmm. um which sort of makes a difference there but then to keep the sort of like like you say like overt sexualization alongside that is kind of interesting i'm what i would have liked to have seen and what I'd like to see going forward, again, it depends on if it's worth it and how much effort it is to do it, is having some form of toggle feature, right? Mm. So maybe, for example, by default, the game is toggled to be the most sort of censored 
version of itself. So mm. it's in English, no subtitles, um, with character models altered and sort of scenes altered in such a way so that they are the least problematic within a culture, right? And then you can simply go into the options and say, I want to play in the kind of the original version, like the Japanese version. Mm. And it's just a case of, are you happy with that? That's fine. This is what might change. And then simply, like, I can't imagine it's difficult to revert character models back, right? Surely mm. it's just a, a toggle this with this or this one, right? Surely it's not, yeah. it can't be that much hard work. Well, yeah. I mean, in, in fact, they actually added Pirate and Mithra's Smash oh, really? costumes back into okay, Xenoblade as like a free update. And you could toggle between the two um so yeah it was absolutely like it's definitely doable <laughs> i'll just say another octal fm hot take even though it's in retrospect right because i didn't <laughs> yeah. know that and i made that call and then they did it even though they already were <laughs> they literally right? did it yeah it's funny <laughs> yeah exactly um i would like to see more of this if mm. i'm honest because if it's if it's up to me i would prefer the game to be as close to the original product as possible but I also appreciate that I'm not necessarily the majority, right? Mm. And that these kind of games, especially games that are supposed to be these sort of like flagship RPG titles for the, a new console when it came out, need to have as broad an audience as possible. Right. So, which is why, in a way, this doesn't so much feel like an anime style game as it does like a Saturday morning cartoon game yeah. in a lot of ways, yeah. which is sort of the interesting way of discuss, uh, describing it because that's sort of what anime used to be in the West for mm. most people. And... I would prefer that, but I think having that option to choose, assuming that it isn't an excessive amount of more money or development time, etc., to implement, would just be the simple solution to this. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the hardest bit is we've already discussed would be making sure to have like the Japanese subtitles and yeah. English closed caption. Definitely. But I mean, if a whole long-running anime series can do it. I don't see why a large game can't do it. If you've already got the translation work anyway, and it doesn't feel like altering the timings and scenes would be difficult either. Mm. Maybe it would. Maybe maybe I'm talking from a place of, like, ignorance, but it doesn't feel like it would be that hard work. And some games do do it. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there are examples of it. And it would certainly remove my problem. Maybe maybe I'd have enjoyed the game enough at that point where I could have gotten past some of the more annoying elements of the gameplay of it. Right, Because right. it isn't just localization that put me off the game. It's, it's many elements, in fairness. But mm. maybe if that kind of, like, overarching, very overt problem for me wasn't there, I could have overlooked and gotten past some of the smaller elements of the game. Right. And then I could have enjoyed it in the long run. Yeah, makes sense. I, th- I think it's interesting. There's definitely a a trend right it's it's a slow trend but there is this trend towards you know first of all games are so much more global and globalized than Mm. they have ever been right like we're talking about even right now we're talking about something that is a very you know very much a jrpg and we've also talked about things like persona and we've talked about you know previously on octal fm we've talked about things like shimagami tensei and all of these kinds of things that you know, and Danganronpa and those kinds of things, like stuff that's very, very Japanese that, yeah. that, you know, go back to those early games when we were talking about translation and localization. They, you would never see them in the West. They would no. never come across because... They wouldn't bother. And if they did, they would be basically different games. Yeah, because it would be too risky. There wouldn't be any appeal for it. But, you know, obviously there is a change in sort of what gamers want and people are now more interested in these games. And there's a wider audience for these games but also it's not just that people have become more interested but also just in general everyone's kind of like interests have broadened right and people that 
would not naturally be interested in something that is you know a very jrpg like persona are just now interested because that's the way that the world is now like we're just more like i think generally speaking everyone at least in the west everyone is more sort of culturally interested in different cultures right Mm. and and sort of more open-minded than they would have been you know 40 years ago or something so we have seen definitely this trend towards let making the japanese voices available you know that's something that would have just been unheard of a few years ago Mm. you know not not really even that long ago especially if you think about games like on the ps2 you know i hope i'm right here but like final fantasy or something you know multi-disc game you know there's there's obviously technical constraints there of including two sets of voice acting, but you'd also just it would just never be a thing. You know, you no. would just you would never be, have the it option wouldn't even to be toggle. considered that that would be desirable necessarily. Yeah, there, w- exactly. there would have been some very niche games. Like I I want to say like maybe the Dot Hat games had right. that choice. Yes, um, on like PS2 era stuff, but like yeah. like you say, that would have been very few and yeah. far between. Right, and uh, they they certainly wouldn't have been at the forefront of like the large games that right. are planning to have big sales and now we're definitely seeing more of that and part of that is this this you know sort of broader interest and part of it is um sort of more appreciation for video games as an art form which means mm-hmm. that people are more interested in seeing them how they kind of originally were meant to be and also like technical things we talked about this last episode but you know it's just technically easier to do this stuff and that's why yeah. we're now saying oh it shouldn't be so hard to put a second script in because it's like you know this isn't you're not doing it pixel by pixel anymore yes, you know, you're, yeah. it's, it's you're feeding in text into a system yeah timings and stuff so i think that we will I'm saying this now to get in a, you know, another hot take. From get in another Octolfm hot take. I think we are going to continue to see an increase in this from games coming out of Japan, um, where we see more and more, more sophisticated support for things like Japanese voices, mm. changes to models. I absolutely think, like, like we have given an example where it's happened it may have been in retrospect but it was definitely an example of it happening you know we will probably see more of that you know being mm. able to effectively choose you know japanese mode or not effectively yeah um, yeah yeah for sure you know and 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 maybe yeah bringing in more just as in anime where you would have you know terrible captioning or or really bad dubs and things like that and over time that's got a lot better and you know now if you want to watch an anime you have more choice about you know which subtitles do you want which which you know which uh, audio track do you want i think that we will see more of that in in video games as more and more people are interested there's it's easier from a technical point of view mm. um there's more just general sort of like pride and recognition that that is something that is is valuable and 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 will help you know at the end of the day all of this stuff kind of has to come down to like what sells games oh, i guess oh for sure well, that but, kind of comes to something yeah. I was just considering was that as more markets open up with more varied cultural norms and acceptances, there's going to be a, a more of a need to make sure that these elements aren't present in some games. Mm. But then you're also going to have to go through the... If, if you're making a game more culturally available to more areas, would it be simpler to have that toggle function, for example? Right. You know, right. So if you, like, yeah, if exactly. you were to release a Japanese game in the UK... 
from the most part, you can probably leave it as is. There's not very much about that that you would need to change. If anything, I imagine most changes that are made for Western audiences are probably more targeted for America than they are, for example, Europe. Yeah. Just from the cultural differences between the two countries and two areas. But then imagine you're releasing that same game in, say, for example, like, uh, I don't know, the Middle East, like a UAE or the mm, uh, or right. Saudi or something that has very different cultural norms and, ex- and levels of acceptancy of certain elements of things you're going to need to change that quite considerably mm. now maybe there are people within that country that want to experience things in the, the original manner if they're allowed to in that in some cases i mean you know in some instances you're not even allowed to have those things um but would it just be a case of having that switch you know would would there be a a, a button or an option in a menu somewhere that allows you to flick between two different versions and maybe the pressure of being able to sell this game to more people, thus having more level of accessibility and choice in how it's uh, enjoyed, Hmm. is going to become more needed just because they want to sell to more people right so money, the money talks like you were saying yeah and, and because the markets like video the video game market is just growing right like it's 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 always been growing it's it's absolutely massive it's so much bigger than it was you know 10 20 30 40 years ago same as esports right like mm. you know everything about it is growing and so that does mean that there is more money available in more countries effectively like the pool the market the market pool is bigger mm-hmm. um, and so having more ways to reach more people by yeah like having customizable censorship or having more you know voice and and captioning options you know all mm. of those kinds of things start to make more sense mm. um, because you've just got so many more absolute like people customers to sell to right mm-hmm. um even if the I percentage guess this of people is sort of like almost a a continuation of the evolution of localization and translation within video games like we were talking about in the previous episode how say in the 1980s to sort of early 1990s things were very much done like post-game creation mm. very sort of like separate from the whole you know creation process and that slowly kind of could become more integrated and although we're at a point where things are much simpler now to create those games sort of to be released well worldwide with multiple languages and multiple localizations etc mm. that's not the end of the evolution maybe we're still seeing a, a change in the way in which it's done even now with how we just described things of having that mm. sort of like choice of localization yeah i think so i you've heard it here first <laughs> um but uh yeah i think i think we will see we will see more of this and maybe uh you know future games that come out that we play and and do something interesting with translation and localization you know we'll bring it up maybe in a soundbite or maybe mm. in sort of a follow-up episode or something like that but um hopefully you have enjoyed this chat um this three-parter i think we are i think we are now at the end we've ended yeah. on a hot take i think we've managed it and uh yeah if you have any other sort of thoughts and 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 if you have any if you know of any games that we've not talked about that you think do do something mm. you know more more in depth more detailed more more sophisticated like a really, sort of, or a really good case example where there's a big disconnect between the two versions mm, of the game right yeah absolutely then let us know uh let us know about those or any other thoughts you can send us an email show at octal.fm or a tweet at octal fm on twitter or facebook facebook.com forward slash octal fm uh, i think forget- the only thing that i want to talk about in future mm. if we can get someone who can talk to us about it yes. would maybe be voice acting yeah that would be really because that's a whole separate entity but mm, mm. does have links to the things we've been talking mm, about mm. but i certainly have zero expertise yes. on that right yes. other than recording my lovely voice for yeah this other than recording our own voices now. which doesn't um, count 
<laughs> because I imagine that there's a whole world of that that you, we don't even consider, right? Mm. Like, for example, I, I briefly touched on, say, for example, the lack of voice acting direction within Xenoblade Chronicles 2 at times. Mm. But I'm sure there's like a whole process there that we're missing, right? Mm. And mm. I mean, if anyone sort of like has got some experience within mm. that world, we'd love to hear from you and, mm. and sort of like maybe pick your brains about it, maybe get you on the show, that sort of thing. So yeah, absolutely. do get in touch. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um, get in touch. And in the meantime, I've been Gelada. And I've been Sefran. And catch us again for another episode of Octal FM very soon. <laughs>